0: Biblical Naturopathic Medicine by Chad Hayes. I was driving a couple weeks ago to another town in South Carolina and passed a small building with a sign offering Biblical Naturopathic Medicine services. As a skeptical physician with an interest in pseudoscientific therapies like naturopathy and a writer that focuses on harm done by religion, it got my attention. So I kicked the ADHD into hyperfocus mode and started looking things up, soon finding myself on a journey to somewhere I never would have imagined, a strip mall in Texas. I promise there will be incantations called Protection from Pestilence and Kidney Redeemer. There will be blood covenants and coercive contracts and government subversion. So stick with me. Let me take you there. But before I can tell you what Biblical naturopathic medicine is, I first need to explain what it is not. And it is decidedly not the same thing as naturopathic medicine. Naturopathy is a system of medicine that combines some elements of science-based Western medicine with a variety of alternative medicine practices. There's an emphasis on finding the root cause instead of treating symptoms, and a focus on the idea that the body has a natural ability to heal itself. Currently, naturopathic doctors can be licensed to practice in 23 states, and there's a continual push to increase this number. Their scope of practice varies by state. For instance, they can't prescribe medications in Colorado, but can in some other states. There are four naturopathic medical schools in the U.S. Perhaps the most well-known is Bestier University, with campuses in Seattle and San Diego. On the surface, Bastier's naturopathic medical school curriculum looks relatively similar to that of an allopathic medical school, where an MD would train. The program lasts four years and includes education about organ systems and physiology, mostly similar to what allopathic medical students learn. It costs about the same, too, at $43,520 per year. Bastier's website says that the naturopathic doctor degree program integrates both scientific and holistic viewpoints in a rigorous science-based natural medicine curriculum. The program includes more than 4,100 hours of didactic and clinical instruction. The word holistic usually refers to treatments that fall into the largely indistinguishable categories of alternative, complementary, or integrative medicine. These are treatments that either haven't been shown to be safe and effective, or that have been shown to be unsafe and or ineffective. Some of these are relatively harmless bullshit, like reflexology or acupuncture, which has been repeatedly shown to be nothing more than theatrical placebo. But they can also include things like chlorine dioxide, marketed as Miracle Mineral Solution, an industrial bleaching agent, rumored to cure all sorts of diseases from HIV to cancer, and often recommended for use in children with autism. Naturopaths also frequently order testing that is not only unhelpful but can also cause harm, such as IgG food allergy testing that doesn't indicate actual allergies and frequently results in unnecessarily restricted diets. I can't go into depth with every treatment modality offered by naturopaths, but I want to single out homeopathy as an example of a treatment used by naturopaths that doesn't just not work, it doesn't even make sense. Homeopathic is not, as many people believe, a synonym for natural, but rather a very specific system of medicine developed by Samuel Hahnemann in 1796. Hahnemann was a German physician who had given up the practice of medicine because he felt that it did more harm than good, which at the time was frequently true. He was a skilled linguist and found his niche translating medical texts. One day, he came across another physician's account of the use of bark to treat malaria. We now know that this bark contains quinine, which actually is an effective malaria treatment. But Hahnemann doubted this and decided to try it for himself. Upon eating a toxic amount of bark, he developed symptoms that were consistent with malaria, stumbling upon the first principle of homeopathy. Substances that cause symptoms in healthy people can be used to treat those same symptoms in sick people often summarized, like cures like. It's a bit more murky exactly how he arrived at the second principle of homeopathy, which is that the more dilute the substance, the more powerful it is. Homeopathic preparations are made by diluting a substance, usually 1 to 10, X, or 1 to 100, C, multiple times, and succussing, shaking the vial vigorously and striking it on some surface, after each dilution. As the substance becomes more dilute, Hahnemann hypothesized for some unknown reason, the preparation becomes stronger. A basic understanding of physics makes it immediately obvious why this is absurd. If you were to start with 1 milliliter of a substance in a 10 milliliter vial and dilute it 1 to 100, you would have a vial that contained 1 part per 1000. Do that 29 more times to reach a 30C dilution, and your final vial would contain 1 part per 10 followed by 60 zeros, making it statistically all but impossible that the final vial contains even a single molecule of the original substance. Homeopaths believe that water has memory and somehow retains the essence of what was previously in it. Homeopathy doesn't hold up to basic plausibility, and it has never been shown to work better than placebo in a well-designed trial. But students at Bestier's Doctor of Naturopathic Medicine program have courses dedicated to it in five of their eight semesters. Naturopaths, as one might assume, often believe the naturalistic fallacy that natural is synonymous with safe. This thinking has become more popular in the public in recent decades, but it isn't difficult to counter for anyone willing to question it. Uranium. Hemlock. Amanita mushrooms. Sharks. But the harm done by naturopaths is often indirect because of what they don't do rather than what they do. Because they believe the naturalistic fallacy, they tend to steer parents away from vaccinating their children and often discourage patients from pursuing conventional medical treatments that, while imperfect, can be beneficial or even life-saving. Trusting in the body's ability to heal itself is fine for a cold, but doesn't tend to go well for leukemia or bacterial meningitis. I think most naturopaths are probably good people that truly want to help patients and believe in the treatments they use. I disagree with them about a lot of things, and I believe that scientific evidence supports me in that. But they aren't the kind of naturopaths this story is about. This story is about biblical naturopaths. The practice I had driven past is run by Dr. Melanie Nolan. Her website displays the practice name as Clarity Holistic Health, Private Healthcare Membership Organization and lists, among several other credentials, biblical naturopathic doctor from Life Training Institute, and certified biblical therapist from the International Institute of Biblical Therapy. I'll let her bio speak for itself. Melanie Nolan is a trained specialist in a separate and distinct healing art that operates according to biblical principles and mandates. As a born-again believer under the priesthood of Christ, she carries out a duty and responsibility of a priest to guide others into wholeness of spirit, soul, and body. She uses homeopathy and spiritual modalities to facilitate the biblical principles of cleansing, building, and the removal of unwanted intruders. Melanie Nolan is a biblical therapist and has trained in a specialized course of study in homeopathic medicine, biblical medicine, cognitive and behavioral psychology, nutritional therapy, aromatherapy, herbal therapy, and neurolinguistic therapy. In addition, she has been trained in prayer, healing, the laying on of hands, prophecy, anointing with oil biblical counseling, inner healing, and deliverance ministry. She is also the author of over six books and the founder of Clarity Health School of Biblical Therapy. Over six? Just say seven. Naturally, I was interested in the training provided by the institutions that issued her credentials. The website for Life Training Institute, which proclaimed her a biblical naturopathic doctor, revealed that this title is bestowed upon the completion of a 29-course program that can be yours today for only $2,573 dollars. Four of the courses have videos, the remaining 25 are textbook courses that appear to be just reading regular books and submitting an exam. The courses include topics like iridology, reflexology, homeopathy, aromatherapy, herbs of the Bible, and how to pray for healing. Three of the courses, biblical naturopathy, sclerology, and muscle response, feature, or perhaps consist of, books by Bill Urey, who we'll meet again on this journey. There's also a course called Legal Guidelines for Unlicensed Providers, which is telling. Melanie's certified biblical therapist credential was listed on her website as coming from the International Institute of Biblical Therapy, which doesn't seem to exist. It appears to actually be from the International Institute for Faith-Based Counselors or the International Institute of Faith-Based Counseling. The website can't seem to make up its mind. Melanie's confusion is understandable. The IIFBC's Certified Biblical Therapist program consists of five courses and costs $579. They also offer a confusing array of other very similar sounding programs with names like Certified Christian Counselor, Certified Faith Based Clinical Counselor, and Licensed Biblical Therapist, all of which are apparently trademarked. The Certified Christian Counselor program is for those that just want to dabble in educating themselves before setting out to help others deal with mental illness, recover from trauma, and build healthy relationships. It's only two video courses and $239, but for the overachievers, they even have a doctor of philosophy in Christian counseling, $3,129, which is a very familiar format to that of the Life Training Institute's doctorate programs. It consists of 29 courses, most of which are reading regular books like Dave Ramsey's The Financial Peace Planner and Emerson Egrich's Love and Respect, a wildly popular Christian marriage book written by a man in a dysfunctional marriage. Her website also states that she is a diplomat, DPSC, of pastoral science and medicine, by which I can only assume she meant diplomat and not some sort of foreign ambassador. The DPSC is clearly intended to fool people into believing that those who hold it are actual doctors. When I typed that into the search window, the first result that popped up was a 2016 NPR article titled Pastoral Medicine Credentials Raise Questions in Texas. And if questions are getting raised in Texas, you know something's up. This honorific was issued by the Pastoral Medical Association, which has now been rebranded as the Professional Wellness Alliance, an organization based in Texas that exists to provide legal protection to unlicensed holistic health practitioners, many of whom have learned the hard way that providing services without a defendable legal basis can get you into some serious trouble. Without a license from the PWA, they say, you risk losing your business, paying costly fines and legal fees, or worse, possible jail time. But for a mere $49.95 per month plus a $99 application fee, PWA will provide a defendable legal basis for you to skirt state laws that exist to protect people from serious harms that could come to them from unlicensed medical and mental health providers. The treatment modalities protected by the PWA include naturopathy and functional medicine, which themselves can include pretty much anything you want them to, as well as Reiki, essential oils, spiritual counseling, and pastoral services, and all caps, many more Exclamation point. Thousands of people have been licensed by this organization and are providing healthcare or counseling without any actual oversight or accountability. The defendable legal basis is accomplished by requiring clients that want to obtain services from one of PWA's licensees to join their private member community and sign a member agreement that defines documentation of their treatment as private member educational records rather than medical records. The private member community nonsense is based on their belief that being a private organization exempts them from government regulation and oversight, because freedom, and reclassifying medical records as private member educational records means they aren't thought to be subject to HIPAA, which provides access to medical records for law enforcement, state medical boards, and other government organizations. Members must also agree to hold the PWA, who is providing bullshit licenses to unqualified providers harmless in all matters related to your association with PWA, affiliates, or provider members, although it seems this doesn't always work. They also have to agree to an arbitration clause. Curious about what exactly biblical naturopathy and biblical counseling entail, I looked up the website for Life Training Institute, the institution that declared Melanie a doctor. It's located at 1029 South Main Street, Lumberton, Texas, 77657, a detail that caught my attention only because of the image that popped up on Google Maps. Apparently, the Life Training Institute is housed in what appears to be a small and somewhat dilapidated home with a red pickup truck parked under an attached carport, which also serves as the headquarters of Wayne's Mobile Home Transport. A tax record search revealed that the property is owned by TNM Investments Incorporated and apparently was appraised at a very generous $409,330. The Life Training Institute slash Wayne's Mobile Home Transport Headquarters sits adjacent to a small strip mall featuring signs for royalty massage. Getting Well Naturally, Compassion Christian Counseling, and Stroker's Inc. Tattoo. Sadly, the tattoo shop has closed. Compassion Christian Counseling shares a distinctively bad logo with the Life Training Institute and has a three-star rating on Facebook, the same as Wayne's mobile home transport, incidentally. The website declares CCC to be an evangelical Protestant organization and lists three counselors, Lori Carl, Bonnie Simeon, and Bill Yuri. Both Lori and Bonnie are certified faith-based clinical counselors, a title bestowed by the IIFBC after taking three courses at a total cost of $359. Each of them also has an array of other credentials and accolades that do not include training in psychology or related fields. Bill, for his part, has a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from UT Austin and a whole bunch of other credentials without any institution listed. These include certified temperament counselor, master of arts in clinical Christian psychology, and licensed clinical pastoral counselor, all of which he obtained in 1998 before becoming a certified faith-based clinical counselor in 1999, a title one can obtain from the IIFBC by completing three courses, each of which contains 11 to 13 video lessons and costs $124. In 2001, Bill completed the Certified Traditional Naturopath Program at Trinity School of Natural Health, a program consisting of four online courses and $1,600 tuition and he has a doctorate in biblical naturopathy, presumably from the Life Training Institute, the same institution that granted my local biblical naturopath her BND, and which Bill apparently founded, along with the IIFBC, Compassion Christian Counseling, located beside the now-closed tattoo shop in the strip mall, Getting Well Naturally, a biblical naturopathy clinic and supplement store in the same strip mall, Lifehouse Church which has one of the worst websites I've seen in over a decade and apparently meets every Thursday from 6.30 to 8 p.m. in the Wayne's Mobile Home Transport slash Life Training Institute house and the now defunct Life Care Nutritionals. Phew, here's a flowchart. On the surface, Bill doesn't seem to be in it for the money and fame that a lot of men in both evangelical and grifty alternative medicine spaces are seeking. There's nothing fancy about him, either in person or online. Counseling sessions at Compassion Christian Counseling are $60. Pretty cheap if they're one-hour sessions. And his websites list people alphabetically, with his last name, Yuri, always ending up on the bottom. The IIFBC certifications do have to be renewed annually, but the fee is hardly extravagant at $49. He offers biblical naturopathic services at Getting Well Naturally, which is described as a private healthcare membership association and a private member healthcare association. Again, consistency isn't Bill's gem. The What is a PHMA page on his website explains that sometimes the well-meaning laws of government become a hindrance to helping each other without jeopardizing your own freedoms. Because laws restrict what alternative health professionals can say or do, and the government has very limited jurisdiction over private membership associations because they're not in the public domain, being a PHMA offers freedoms to serve members with alternative healthcare solutions. Becoming a member costs $10, which is credited towards the member's first visit, and requires the prospective member to sign a contract, that proclaims the association's main objective is to protect our rights to freedom of choice regarding our health, information, and care through maintaining our constitutional rights. If the member chooses to forego drugs, surgery, or radiation that has been recommended by other providers, they fully accept the risk that they may suffer serious consequences from that choice. A prospective member must acknowledge that no doctor-patient relationship exists, and that they have freely chosen to change their legal status as a public customer or client to a private member of the association. The contract states that because it is private, the association is outside the jurisdiction and authority of federal and state agencies and authorities concerning any and all complaints or grievances. The prospective member must waive their HIPAA privacy rights, not so the association can disseminate their healthcare information freely, but rather so they can control it even more tightly. In addition to protecting one's privacy, HIPAA also has provisions as to when health records can or must be turned over to law enforcement or state medical boards investigating people practicing medicine without a license, for example. The prospective member must agree that activities within the association are a private matter that I refuse to share with the state medical board, the FDA, FTC, Medicare, Medicaid, or my own insurance company without my expressed specific permission and that all records and documents remain as property of the association, even if I receive a copy of them. With these two provisions, the contract creates a dual-key system, meaning that both the member and the association would have to agree to hand over records to government officials, at least according to the contract. They also have to affirm that they do not represent any state or federal agency whose purpose it is to regulate and approve products. If you ask a cop, if he's a cop, he's, like, obligated to tell you. It's in the Constitution. The contract requires the prospective member to agree not to file a lawsuit against a fellow member of the association unless that member has exposed them to a clear and present danger of substantive evil and warns that any violation of the terms of the contract by the member will result in a no-contest legal proceeding against the member. Holy shit, somebody got an A in their legal guidelines for unlicensed providers course. I'm not sure how much of this would be enforceable, but it's certainly coercive. For those who choose to sign the contract, their activities with the association begin with a one-hour consultation in which Bill reads their fingernails, tongue, sclera, and irises before running a computer scan of body systems and presumably recommending supplements or homeopathic remedies from his store. The website has quite a bit of advice available for free in the form of PDF files called things like Artery Sanctifier and Kidney Redeemer, which includes several tangentially related Bible verses, recommended dietary changes or supplements, and a prayer. My favorite is Protection from Pestilence, an incantation invoking a blood covenant with God who will protect the incanter from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. I renounce you, Satan, and your hosts, one is to say, and declare you to be my enemy. I command you, Satan, to leave me now, according to Luke 10:19, James 4, 7, and 1 John 4, 4. By the blood of the covenant, I draw a bloodline around myself, my family, my friends, and my stuff. <laughs> It ends as it couldn't not, in Jesus' name. For the true patriots, there's a prayer for America that renounces the sins of abortion, pornography, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, sensual pleasures, drunkenness, drug abuse, and quite a few other things, including robbing you of the tithe, and pledges to vote the Bible in selecting those that will govern this nation. My least favorite was Home Health for Kids, a much longer document that recommends garlic as a good alternative to antibiotics for urinary tract infections and tells parents absolutely not to vaccinate any child under two years of age because they don't work. They do. Children under two can't handle the inflammation and all the toxins that are put into the vaccines, parents are told. If they do decide to vaccinate their child, they should only give one at a time so their immune system is not overwhelmed. And it recommends that pregnant people take a letter signed by their attorney to the hospital stating that no vaccines are to be given to their baby in the hospital. There's a reasons not to vaccinate section that starts with the lie that vaccines have never been proven safe or effective. This is presumably why there is no reasons to vaccinate section. I don't know how much churching goes on at Lifehouse Church. The tragically awful website and lack of a detectable social media presence certainly don't seem like a church plant hoping to grow. The church's website lists another minister, Yi Wen, as providing outreach to international Lamar students. Lamar is a university located in Beaumont, Texas, where Life Training Institute had previously been located. I couldn't find any more information about Yi Wen aside from a very brief 2019 article in the Beaumont Enterprise about a 42-year-old man named Yi Wen Su that died after he drove his car off a ferry ramp. I can't confirm that it's the same person, but it's entirely possible that the website hasn't been updated since before 2009 and that nobody gives a fuck because it's not an actual church. It seemed odd to me that Bill's name doesn't appear on the Life Training Institute website except as the author of some of the books used in the courses. Usually people want to take credit for their work. Similarly, the website for the IIFBC lists Bill only as one of 13 instructors authorized to teach their curriculum. But the church site does list him as a minister, and he appears prominently on the Getting Well Naturally site. His bio there was where all the pieces came together for me. With the number of different and sometimes opaque businesses he runs, I had some suspicion that the church could be used as a financial smokescreen, since churches don't have to disclose their finances to the IRS. The footer of Bill's various websites usually makes a very clear statement about what exactly the organization is. Compassion Christian Counseling is an evangelical Protestant organization. LifeHouse is an evangelical Protestant church. IIFBC Incorporated is a 501c3 evangelical Protestant school of ministry and seminary. Life Training Institute, Incorporated, is a 501c3 evangelical Protestant school of ministry and seminary. Except these statements aren't exactly true. I went to ProPublica to pull up the IRS Form 990s that 501c3s are required to file, and I couldn't find any for IIFBC. I did find 990s for Life Training Institute, two of them from 2004 and 2005. The 2005-990 was filed under Life Training Institute, but it lists as its website, hisclinic.org, the website for Compassion Christian Counseling, and iifbc.com, so they were all apparently a single financial entity. The total revenue for the year was $301,846, with $114,261 from Medicare-Medicaid payments. Bill had a very modest salary for working 40 hours per week, $14,305, plus a $9,031 housing allowance. Not as modest as Lori Noble's, who worked as a counselor only two hours a week but was paid just $180 for the entire year. The institute slash other institute slash counseling center spent $42,102 on Christian faith based counseling, $61,050 on religious counselor training, and $93,090 on a ministry to children from low income families. I mean, that's generous if it's true, but there were three full time employees, none of whom made more than $25,000, including housing allowances. I'm not an expert in nonprofits, but the fact that Life Training Institute spent $42,734 on housing allowance seems odd. So does the fact that they spent nearly a third of their gross revenue on helping children of low-income families, which is not their primary mission, while not paying their full-time directors a living wage. Given that their two main missions are providing counseling and training counselors, and their primary expenses are providing counseling and training counselors, it seems likely that much of these expenses went to the people or person providing those services. The Medicare-Medicaid reimbursements seemed odd because nothing on the CCC website indicates that they accept insurance or Medicare-Medicaid, but the most recent financial statement I could find was from 17 years ago, so maybe it was a different practice structure. Also, unless they had actual trained professionals on staff at the time, they shouldn't have been getting any payments from Medicare or Medicaid. But why is the most recent 990 I can find from 2005? Just one mouse click away, Guy Sarr informed me that Life Training Institute, along with IIFBC and CCC, no longer has to file 990s because they're a church. Yep, the bogus naturopathy diploma mill, the bogus counseling diploma mill, and the counseling center run by unlicensed providers are a church, presumably as of roughly 2006. Allow me to come back to this church website. Trigger warning, the homepage includes non-consensual praise music that was clearly not recorded in a shitty house in Lumberton, Texas. I said the website was bad, but it's spectacularly bad, not just at being a website, but it's doing the thing an actual church would want it to do, and also it's doing the thing someone using a fake church to hide his money would want it to do. The entire point of evangelicalism is to grow the church. It's what evangelize means. But the website is clearly not intended to do that. There are no links to social media pages, which is really odd for a church that's reaching out to international college students. And I'm unable to find Lifehouse Church social media pages by searching myself. The church website rather lazily copies verbatim, as does the Life Training Institute, the Southern Baptist Convention's Baptist Faith and Message, on their What We Believe page. The logo is disappointingly bland. There are a handful of bad stock photos, like this postage stamp-sized gem, and one small photo of Bill baptizing someone in a steel stock tank. The church website email link goes to the CCC's email, and under Lifehouse Outreach, the website links to the CCC. A donate button on the church's website goes to the CCC PayPal page and indicates that the donation would support RAFA Support Services, the Facebook page for RAFA Support Services has posts with links to IIFBC classes, but it hasn't been active since 2002, and clicking on the website link results in a 404 error. In the address? 1029 South Main Street in Lumberton, Texas. The organizations this tiny-ass house church supports financially are listed as The Nation of Israel, CBN Orphan Promises, Living Word Orphanage in Madurai, India, and various ministries that help the poor widows and orphans. Is revenue from Life Training Institute, IIFBC, CCC, and hell, maybe Wayne's mobile home transport being funneled into this church where it enters a financial black box? Lifehouse Church certainly wouldn't be the first evangelical organization to label itself a church to avoid having to report their financial information. Bill certainly seems like the kind of dude that doesn't want the government in his business. Is this church actually enjoying the privilege of taxpayer subsidies while sending financial support to a foreign nation? Is this church that includes a counseling clinic staffed by unqualified and unlicensed providers receiving payments from Medicare or Medicaid? I'm used to disagreeing with people. I disagree with naturopaths about a lot of things. I disagree with conservative Christians about a lot of things. But my problem with Bill Urey isn't that he's wrong about medicine or that he's a conservative Christian. My problem with Bill and others like him is that they think being conservative Christians means the rules don't apply to them. It's the collective narcissism of evangelicalism. Religious freedom does not grant you the right to do whatever you want with no government interference. Being a Christian doesn't get you out of paying taxes or disclosing your organization's financial information. Being a Christian doesn't mean you can practice medicine or provide mental health care without a license. Starting what is little more than a Goodreads page and calling it a PhD or a naturopathic doctor program does not make your shitty website an educational institution. Reading the books, some of which you wrote on the list you created, and watching the videos you recorded for your bullshit biblical naturopathy diploma mill doesn't make you a doctor. Thinking that you can take two online courses and be qualified to provide counseling just because you slap Christian on it instead of earning a master's degree and doing hundreds of hours of supervised therapy to become a licensed therapist is deranged. Trapping the patients you're supposed to be helping into coercive contracts that give you the right to do whatever the fuck you want with impunity, whether or not it hurts them, while barring them from suing you and allowing you to sue them for seeking help from the state to protect them from your quackery is despicable. And if Lifehouse Church is an operational church, I have significant concerns about someone who would use coercive contracts, like the one for getting well naturally being a spiritual authority in people's lives. What happened to rendering unto Caesar what is Caesar's? What happened to, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well? Where did whoever resists the authorities resist what God has appointed go? What happened to the Jesus that flipped over the tables of people trying to profit in the name of religion? All of this is so contradictory to the teachings of Jesus Christ that it would be unrecognizable to his followers. But don't say it's not Christian. It absolutely is. There are other Christianities too. Many people reading this are Christians who are just as appalled by all of this as I am, Christians with whom I am proud to stand for progressive causes. But to say that Bill Urey isn't a real Christian is dangerous. It validates the equation of Christian with good, which by extrapolation equates non-Christian with evil, reinforcing the Christian privilege that enables people like Bill. It also lets decent Christians off the hook by allowing them to distance themselves from a past in which many evil things have been done in the name of Christianity and a present in which there are cancers within their religion that desperately need to be removed before they metastasize any further. So what is biblical naturopathic medicine? It's untrained, unqualified, unlicensed practitioners that believe their religion makes them immune from government oversight. It's people that think two individuals signing a contract to call something what it's not prevents them from being subject to laws designed to keep people safe. It's delusional people that don't want to be held accountable for the things that they do, doing things they shouldn't. It's people that are so arrogant to think that their holy book, written thousands of years before we had discovered germ theory, during a time when seizures and schizophrenia were attributed to demonic possession by authors that never intended for it to be used as a medical text, gives them superior knowledge to those of us who respect our patients enough to spend years actually studying medicine and who are willing to be held accountable for our actions. It's biblical literalists that disingenuously omit the abortion potion recipe provided by the Lord in Numbers 5 from their biblical naturopathy curriculum, while voting for legislators who put the lives of their constituents at risk by criminalizing abortion and putting a bounty on the heads of pregnant people and the physicians that have devoted their careers to caring for them. Footnotes. One, I went back and forth with whether or not to use my local biblical naturopath's real name and link to her website. In the end, I decided not to for multiple reasons. First, she is a woman of a minoritized race, and I have no idea what her financial status is. This clinic may be keeping food on her table, and I don't want to add to the oppression she's already experiencing. Second, everything I saw on her website indicated that her heart is in the right place. She allows patients to barter for services, and it's made classes she teaches pay what you can. If you want a link to her website, I'm happy to provide it, but I don't want to instigate any harassment. All other names of people and institutions are accurate. Two. Numbers 5, verses 11 through 28. Then the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, If a man's wife goes astray and is unfaithful to him, so that another man has sexual relations with her, and this is hidden from her husband, and her impurity is detected, since there is no witness against her, and she has not been caught in the act. And if feelings of jealousy come over her husband, and he suspects his wife and she is impure, or if he is jealous and suspects her even though she is not impure, then he is to take his wife to the priest, he must also take an offering of a tenth of an ephah of barley flour on her behalf. He must not pour olive oil on it or put incense in it, because it is a grain offering for jealousy, a reminder offering to draw attention to wrongdoing. The priest shall bring her and have her stand before the Lord. Then he shall take some holy water in a clay jar and put some dust from the tabernacle floor into the water. After the priest has had the woman stand before the Lord, he shall loosen her hair and place in her hands the reminder offering, the grain offering for jealousy while he himself holds the bitter water that brings a curse. Then the priest shall put the woman under oath and say to her, If no other man has had sexual relations with you, and you have not gone astray and become impure while married to your husband, may this bitter water that brings a curse not harm you. But if you have gone astray while married to your husband, and you have made yourself impure by having sexual relations with a man other than your husband, here the priest is to put the woman under this curse. May the Lord cause you to become a curse among your people when he makes your womb miscarry and your abdomen swell. May this water that brings a curse into your body so that your abdomen swells or your womb miscarries. Then the woman is to say, Amen, so be it. The priest is to write these curses on a scroll and then wash them off into the bitter water. He shall make the woman drink the bitter water that brings a curse, and this water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering will enter her. The priest is to take from her hands the grain offering for jealousy, wave it before the Lord and bring it to the altar. The priest is then to take a handful of the grain offering as a memorial offering and burn it on the altar. After that, he is to have the woman drink the water. If she has made herself impure and been unfaithful to her husband, this will be the result. When she is made to drink the water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering, it will enter her, her abdomen will swell, and her womb will miscarry, and she will become a curse. If, however, the woman has not made herself impure but is clean, she will be cleared of guilt and will be able to have children. (laughs) You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, but you'll have better luck on Twitter. I am at chad Hayes and the podcast is at ChosenGodPod. If you find my work valuable, I would truly appreciate your support. You can support me monthly on Substack or Patreon, or make a one time donation using the links in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Go with God or without Him, whatever works for you. People's Chosen God is written and produced by me, Chad Hayes. The music used throughout the show is my own.